Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of prayer. Hebrews tells us, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4.16. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, almost out of the year. James says, we have not because we ask not. We have not because we ask amiss that it might be consuming our own flesh or our lusts. James 4, 2 through 3. So we don't ask or we ask for the wrong motives. But God's not reluctant. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. You can be certain God not only hears our prayers, but He's sure to answer them too. Sometimes His answer is yes, or it might be not now. And sometimes it's a gentle no. But in the case of the prophet Daniel praying over a certain passage of Scripture one evening, God sent the angel Gabriel to deliver an answer Daniel could have never expected. Pastor Xavier continues a close look into Daniel chapter 9 for the prophetic 70th week of Daniel as our Simple Truth Study series continues with a peek into Scripture's view of the end times. Let's listen. Daniel chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 1 through 19. The message is entitled, The Prayer Warrior, Daniel. This is one of the most important chapters of the book of Daniel, as well as the Bible, because one man dared to align himself through prayer with the purposes of God for the present as well as the future, resulting in God answering and giving him the 70 weeks of Daniel. We'll get into it as we move along. They're the first coming, the second coming, the tribulation period, important prophecy. So what we want to do is look at the prayer of Daniel. It's characterized by three things. The motivation of Daniel's prayer is given to us in verse 1 and 2. The intercession of Daniel in prayer goes from 3 to 14. And then you have the supplication of Daniel's prayer in verses 15 to 19. Now, the prayer of Daniel was prompted by the study of prophecy. He recognized the critical time of the captivity, almost up by the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah foretold of the desolation of the land for 70 years. The captivity was for punishment, for their idolatry, and for their not letting the land rest. Uh, Jeremiah 29 says, For thus saith the Lord Yahweh, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place, meaning Jerusalem. Israel refused to let the land rest 490 years. The sabbatic year was every seven. Seven times 70 is 490. He will pick that formula up in the 70th week of Daniel as we get there. Okay? It's all tied together. Prophecy. Notice, secondly, the intercession of Daniel in prayer, 3 to 14. In verse 3, Daniel prepared himself to seek God. Notice he says his face towards the Lord God. This indicates a personal relationship with God. In fellowship, we've seen this fellowship through the years, from 16 years of age. By prayer, word is for general worship, adoration, confession. By supplication, it's very specific target. So he's telling us what his prayer is going to contain. Okay? Gives us the table of contents here. <laughs> he intended to do it by humbling himself before God. Don't miss this. With fasting, denying himself food and drink for a time. With sackcloth, a burlap sort of material, real coarse, uncomfortable. Affliction by ashes indicating grief, mourning, humbling himself before God for intercession, 
Look at verse 4. He interceded for his people. And I prayed to the Lord Yahweh, my God, Elohim. He made confession of the faithfulness of God. The people had disobeyed God's word. Look at verse 5. Having sinned, having rebelled, to go against God willfully, knowingly. How? Listen. Even by departing from your precepts and your judgments, Daniel included himself by the word we. Notice the leaders deserve the shame they incurred also in verse 8. O Lord, to us belong shame of face, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against God. Mercy, once again, less than we deserve. He's casting himself upon God's mercy. All were guilty. Look at 11. Yes, all of Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as to not obey your voice. All were recipients of the curses of God for their sin. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. God kept his word. Look at verse 12. And he has confirmed his word which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us. The end of 12 there says to bring upon us a great disaster for under the whole heaven such as never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. No other place has received worse devastation but it's because of the relationship. Jerusalem was protected and she's been brought down so low. The people of Israel had not yet turned to see God even at this point. In 13, the beginning, it says, As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayers before our Lord Yahweh, Elohim, that we might turn from our iniquities. The way you turn from your iniquities is to turn to God. You try to turn from your iniquities before turning to God, you'll never do it. You don't have the ability. You must repent and call upon God, then God will do it. Once we turn to him from our iniquities, then to comprehend his word and understand your truth. Once we repent and we come to God, then the word becomes alive, a light, a lamp to our feet, wisdom. Look at 14, the summary statement of their deserved judgment is given there. He vindicated the work of judgment of Yahweh here. Therefore the Lord Yahweh has kept the disaster in mind. And brought it upon us, for the Lord Yahweh, our God Elohim, is righteous in all the works which he does. Holy and righteous are you, O Lord, in all that you do. We deserve everything that's come upon us. How often men and women want to blame God. They say, why did God allow that? Why did God didn't stop that? Because you have a free will and so do others. If God forced you not to do certain things, if God stopped certain things from happening, you would blame him anyway. Because he gives you free will or because he messes with your life. He indicated the sinful heart of man, though we have not obeyed his voice. Deceitful, desperately wicked, Jeremiah 17, 9. The prayer of repentance for forgiveness must be genuine from the heart or God ignores it because he knows the heart of every person. There must be an acknowledgement of sin 
There must be a confession of sin. There must be an abandonment of sin. And whenever possible, if you can, you make restitution for your sin. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Keeping that relationship vibrant, fresh, alive, personal. The presence of sin is a hindrance for God to hear and to answer our prayers. Sin separates me from God. Isaiah 59.1 says, God's hand is not short that he cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your sins have separated you from God. And then he says that he turns his back on us. Psalm 66.18 says clearly, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. Sin must be confessed to be in relationship with God. 1 John 2, 1 says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie, we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Praise God. When we confess our sins to God, he does not keep a ledger, but we never presume upon the grace of God. No one will ever sin against me as much as I have sinned against God and he never mentions one of my sins. But he looks for genuine repentance. God desires and requires genuine repentance, complete confession. Shall we require less of each other? Of course not. Colossians 3, 12 through 13 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, here is a clincher, even as Christ forgave you, so you also It'd be nice to do? No. Must do. The intercession of Daniel in prayer was for his people, according to prophecy. Even what he was doing was fulfilling prophecy. Now notice thirdly, you have the supplication of Daniel in prayer. 15 to 19. In 15, Daniel bases his supplication on the fact that they were the people of God. Whoa. Man of the word. <laughs> you want to know how to pray? Know the word of God. God delivered them. Verse 15. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is this day, even way down the road, people still talking about it. He reaffirms their sinful guilt. We have sinned. We've done wickedly. Then Daniel based his application also on the righteousness of God next, 16 and 17. He pleaded with all humility, O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray. Daniel didn't say, Oh Lord, you remember me and Neb and, uh, and, and Belshazzar, and you know, I'm coming to you because I'm righteous. Really? No. Your righteousness, I pray. God help us that we get to a place we think that we somehow now have God captive as he owes us something because <laughs> we're so great. Wow. Righteousness means his justice. His perfect justice is due to his perfect holiness regarding every attribute that he has. And restoration. But it's based on genuine repentance. Daniel is repenting genuinely, biblically, he pleaded with God to answer his supplication in 17. Daniel did so as a servant of God. Now therefore, our God, hear 
the prayer of your servant and his supplication. The word minister comes from the word deacon. It means a waiter on tables. That's what your pastor is. I'm a glorified waiter boy. That's what I am. We're all servants. Daniel did so by the reputation and glory of God. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. For God's reputation, for his name, for his character, not for me to be known, not for me to be famous, not for people to glory in me, but in God. The expression, your face to shine indicates favor, blessing, honor that used to be there. The sanctuary is God's, your sanctuary, not man's. Solomon's dedication in 1 Kings 8, he was praying, Lord, this is your temple. The heavens of heavens cannot contain you. But when your people go into captivity, fall into sin, and they look towards this place, and they pray in genuine repentance, hear their prayers. Here it is, the fulfillment, the provisions that were made there. Look at 18. Daniel based his supplications on the mercies of God. Thirdly, he called for God's loving kindness. Daniel belonged to God and God to Daniel. Listen, oh my God, they belong to each other. Daniel painted an imagery of a loving, attentive father stooping down to care for his children. Listen to the words. Incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation Loving kindness, stooping down to care for that child. Daniel knew the city belonged to God and the city which is called by your name yet laid in dishonor. The heart of Daniel, he cast himself on the mercies of God, not what they deserved. If God gave them what they deserved, it was all over. Daniel did not think anything he had done or any other Jew to be the basis for got to act for we do not present our supplication before you because of our righteous deeds and Daniel was depending totally on the mercies of God but because of your great mercies the word hesed a covenant word covenant language here loving kindness they are great abounding in great measure The supplication of Daniel is then concluded in the summary statement in 19. His plea, don't miss it. Oh, Lord, hear. His petition, oh, Lord, forgive. His hope, oh, Lord, listen and act. His urgency, do not delay for your own sake, my God. His concern for your city and your people are called by your name. Prayer will open our eyes, ladies and gentlemen. Do not trust what you see. Do not trust your emotions. Do not trust your circumstances. But trust God through his word who will reveal to you his will. And then through prayer, he will confirm the will of his word. He'll open your eyes. You remember the servant of Elisha. They saw the Syrian army all around the city and he freaked out. Oh, my Lord, my master, we're done. And Elisha lifted his voice to God, says, Lord, open his eyes in 2 Kings 6. And he saw the cherubim, all the angelic hosts, a great army. They are more that are with us, that are with them. 
prayer. Christians are called the people of God. This is Peter, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That's who you are. That's who I am. Hebrews tells us, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 4.16. It's open 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. 12 months out of the year. <laughs> True prayer has in its origin God. Especially in intercession. Remember Moses in Exodus 32.32 32, where he interceded for Israel. He says, Lord, God wanted to wipe out the people of God. He says, Lord, if you can't forgive them, blot my name out of the book of life. Where did that prayer come from? If you give Moses credit, then you think he's more compassionate than God. Think about it. God wanted to wipe out the people. Moses says, Lord, wipe me out if you don't forgive them. That prayer began with God. Put in the heart of Moses to intercede for his people. Moses wasn't that good. <laughs> he really wasn't. Paul said, I could wish myself a curse for Israel's sake. Romans 9.3. Same thing. Here you have two men who had become so selfless and so broken that they were willing to go to hell for the people of God. Whoa. Incredible. I have not gotten there for you yet. <laughs> Sometimes we act as if we have a to convince God in prayer as if he's reluctant to give us what we want or need. And if we press him hard enough, if we cry enough, we give him enough information, we can persuade him. That parable that I, of Luke 11, 5 through 13, is about that man that came at midnight to ask for bread. Or his friend, but he wouldn't get up because everybody had gone to sleep already. But in there... Um, that parable usually is, um, is taught as teaching that God is reluctant and that we must persevere and be persistent in prayer. But parables do one of two things always. They compare, they contrast. The, the punchline line tells you what it is. That parable teaches that God is not reluctant. Man is. It says, for everyone who asks receives, and whoever seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. If a son asks bread from any, any father among you, will he give him a stone? No. Or if he asks him for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? No. Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? No. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Man is reluctant, but God isn't. It's a contrast, not a comparison. Otherwise, you make God reluctant. All right? James says, we have not because we ask not. We have not because we ask amiss that it might be consuming our own flesh or our lust. James 4, 2 through 3. So we don't ask or we ask for the wrong motives. But God's not reluctant. The disciples asked Jesus, to teach him to pray. And he gave an example of the content, not for the pattern to repeat it, the Lord's Prayer. It's not even the Lord's Prayer because there's petition for forgiveness of sins. Jesus could never pray it in Matthew 6, 5. Prayer is not to be used uh, to bring attention to yourself like the Pharisees. Prayer is uh, for the ears of 
God, not man. Prayer is not to be repetitious like a parrot. And prayer is not to inform God about things, but to seek God on what he desires, his will. Prayer is marked by characteristics of relationship, his dwelling in heaven, his holiness, his kingdom to come, his will to be done, our dependency upon him, the daily bread, for forgiveness of sins, and for deliverance from the evil one. Those are things that our prayer should contain. Okay? Those are important things. The believer is instructed much about prayer. Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Luke 18.1. Reverse it. Men faint or lose heart because they don't pray. Simple. Paul said that we are to pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.1. Praying always in all prayer supplication of the Spirit, being watchful to all things, watchful to all things, and persevering in supplication for all the saints. Ephesians 6.18, praying for one another. We interact with one another. We know our lives to an extent. We ask each other, each other to pray for each other and our kids and everything for the world, whatever is going on. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make your requests known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6-7. It's a constant diligence to rest in God. Men are to pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without doubt or wrath. 1 Timothy 2.8. James says, you ask in faith without doubting. James 1.6. The believer is to pray to see God work, not simply get things from God. Remember Jeremiah. Jeremiah 33.3. He says, call on me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. That's what I need. The God... For God to show me things that I don't know. I'm not a know-it-all. I don't know everything. In fact, I know very little. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors to his harvest. We pray and we see God work. And sometimes we pray, get up, and are part of the work. Prayerless lies are a sin. Samuel told the people after they had chosen Saul as king over God, and they came to Samuel, thinking that he was mad at them. And he says in 1 Samuel 12, 23, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Whoa. Prayerless lives are sinful lives. Like Daniel, we cast ourselves on the mercies of God for our prayers. The mercies of God are great. They are abundant. They are tender. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. In the 40 years I've walked with God, what can I say? Just utter, utter faithfulness in spite of my rottenness. The supplication of Daniel in prayer was restoration according to prophecy. Now, do you think prophecy is important? Do you think the study of the word is important? prayer of Daniel is characterized by these three very clear things. The motivation of Daniel to pray was according to his study of prophecy. The intercession of Daniel in prayer was for his people according to prophecy. And the supplication of Daniel in prayer was restoration according to prophecy. Man, what a prayer. Right here at the very end of captivity, God ready to move and act. 
Lord, may he use us as we see him coming quickly. Pastor Xavier Reese, reinforcing the importance and simple truths of prayer using the example of the prophet Daniel. And if you're interested in obtaining a copy of this message titled The Prayer Warrior Daniel, they're available on CD upon request for just $4. Having your own copy allows you to review the study again at your own pace. Plus, everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together will be included as well. So once again, the title to ask for is The Prayer Warrior Daniel, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com